0: Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, so let's get started. Today's podcast is titled Can Love Build a Bridge? And this is about having tough conversations with your loved ones related to anything from racism, religion, homophobia, and politics. And this theme for this week's blog is also the same. And we chose this topic because this is one of our most requested subjects. We get so many questions from people asking, how do we talk to people? How do we talk to our loved ones, our our family, and our friends, our colleagues, without it being something that causes division between us? Well, the short answer is there are no guarantees, but, We're going to dive into this in just a few minutes, but a reminder that a few weeks ago we did announce the birth of Numa Soul Center for Spiritual Transformation, which you can find at Numa N-U-M-A soul.com. That will be in the show notes as well. And there we will be focusing on resources and teachings to help you on your spiritual journey. Now, Reverend Arda Idez is our director of programs and partnerships for Numa Soul. And she and I collaborated on this series called Having Tough Conversations. And at first we didn't know it it was even going to be a series, but as we started to really think about what needed to be said, we realized that these conversations—they're multi-layered and they're intricately woven into familial dynamics where history and tradition often collide when you be, move beyond the confines of your traditional family relationships and expectations. So we will be focusing on specific emotionally charged subjects such as politics, religion, racism, issues around the LGBTQIA plus community, which uh, could mean whether you are coming out or even you just want to let your family know that you are an ally for all of social social justice and equity for all, including movements like Black Lives Matter. So all of these and much more we know can alienate you from your family. If you do not agree, I even know people who are alienated from their family because of the work that they do, their career, some things, even like college choices are something can really divide um, families. And you, you, you know, there's a lot more, a lot more at work when you hear those kinds of stories, but the reason these conversations are so important is because people hunger for family love to be loved by your family and your friends and to be affirmed by them, especially those who have been rejected because of their sexual or gender, gender authenticity, by uh, rejected because of their political beliefs or, or religious views or anything like that. Because people want hope. That they can have respectful loving relationships that honor the love and bond of family and loved ones. But they want to know that they can do that without compromising their values or their beliefs or be overwhelmed by another beliefs or uh, values just for the sake of family bonds. And that's where the key component comes in. With this. So like I said, there may be re- many reasons that family relationships are blo- broken. If you're hearing little paw prints going on behind me, my grand dog has figured out how to open up the door to my makeshift studio and she's aging now. Uh, she wants to be wherever I am. So we're just going to allow her to have her little puppy panting and uh, little paws as she walks around and maybe you'll even hear her get a drink of water. So please forgive her for that as we invite her into our space today. But a lot of times a dominant family narrative can be conditional on everyone being aligned with that, or you have to walk a fine line. And oftentimes a family member will walk away when the cost of that obedience or that allegiance is too high. And I'm going to be honest with you. This was a tough topic for me as well. And as I was writing it and working with Reverend Arda, I often felt like I was ill-equipped uh, to speak on this because I have experienced this within my own circle of family and friends, but p- precisely precisely because I have experienced this, this is because perhaps why I can help. And it does not mean that I've done this perfectly because I haven't, but I did the best I could with the tools I had and who I was at the time. So remember that because no matter how much you prepare No matter what you say, no matter the outcome, you will always wonder if there was something else you could have done or said to have a better outcome or ease the tension around the family situations. And you're just doing the best you can with what you have and who you are at any one time. Now going into these conversations, knowing this will help you remember that you're only human and you too are just doing the best you can. So for many of you, your family tension may have been growing for over decades, and it's very important to know that, to just park that there, because even though it could be something for many of us, the, the starting in 2015, when politics became such a charged issue in this country, and then in uh, 2020... When uh, the pandemic is happening, uh, George Floyd is murdered. There's a lot of things that started to happen that really brought into the conversations how people really felt. So those situations actually became pivotal turning points for relationships that were built, that were already strained and built on silence or obedience and allegiance. So I know that for me that that certainly has happened. I know for a long time, there's been things where I have not been aligned with my family, whether it's with politics or uh, social justice issues, or even religion, but it's been respectful and loving. But what happened in 2015 as Trump rose to power and a lot of those conversations left the living room and came out into politics and into the church pews, it just became a platform for people to be really loud, especially on social media. So to protect myself, I began to block some of the friends who were very productive and prolific in some of what I considered uh, memes that were very destructive and very disrespectful. Now, I have spoken to some of those people about it, and other ones, I just I just blocked and my reasoning is, is my choice. It's not something that I feel like I need to explain to you, the listener, but also to my family at this point in time, because right now my emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being were at stake. And I knew that whatever I was going through at the time, at this time of birthing this ministry and standing as an ally For people who were being marginalized and dehumanized by a lot of these beliefs, I could not try to stand in community to both. In other words, I had a foot in both sides and it felt very hypocritical of me to do that. But that doesn't mean that I don't love my family. I do they are my history and of m- much of who i am is because of their presence and influence in my life so on with with many of them i've started to make that shift back closer to them because i for i have said this before in other podcasts where my relationship with people in social media of course is changing greatly as the platforms for rev, rev. carla and now numa soul start to start to expand beyond personal relationships, like with loved ones and family and neighbors and and people that you might work with or that you've known in your past. But I have never felt a familial or friend obligation to friend anybody just because they're friends in, in my personal life. So I then started to put those same boundaries in my, that I have in my personal life that protects who I am and my, the things that I value around social media. But like I said, because they are my family, I am trying now to figure out how do I build those bridges back to people that I love, that I can see elements of them in who I am, in my stubbornness, in the way I approach things, in my inquisitiveness, in my Um, I never taking someone's answer for anything. I'm going to research it myself. That all comes from my family line. So how can any of that be bad? So, but for many of us, family won't look the same as it has before. And we have to learn to be okay with that. And you too will be a part of determining what family will look like at least Hopefully you will, because you, of course, can't control how your loved ones are going to react to anything that you do or say here. All we know is that if losing a piece of yourself to go back to what you define as normal, you must consider at what cost you are moving back in to family situations. So make sure you're you're pausing and putting that at the forefront of whatever you're getting ready to do when you're trying to have these conversations. And that's why we started, as Reverend Arda and I started to write this series, we realized that there needed to be just an all-encompassing summary that began the series before you actually got into the specifics. So the topic of that blog is a little bit of my story, but also the first um, resource guide that we we created is really about you understanding that this is so important that you need to spend time in personal reflection, contemplation, meditation, and prayer to understand why you are doing what you are doing and why you're feeling the way you're feeling about your family. Because what Often happens if we don't do this inner soul work, when you've heard me say this before, if you followed me a while, spirituality is first and foremost about how we show up in the world. I do believe that we have this innate, mysterious, divine, holy connection in us that we have defined as described as our soul. And that soul connects with our physical bodies, our humanity, But the only way we can do all the work and show up for the work that we are called to do is if we are continually working on the inner peace and the healing of our soul, the things that have happened to us in, in this life and how we are moving beyond them and learning that using them as learning experiences so that we're constantly turning back to our lives as a better version of ourselves. So that work becomes very important when we're trying to look back and reach back to figure out how we can restore things. Because really what you're doing is figuring out how you're going to offer to be a part of building that bridge. A bridge, now she's, now she's coughing something. Oh, that's okay. That's, those are the old dogs, old dog things happening here. Welcome to real time and um, doing a podcast in the back bedroom of your home. I kind of like the organic um, and the sacredness of just letting things happen as they happen. I hope you I hope you do, too. (laughs) But Annie is certainly enjoying her time in here with me this morning. Okay, so when we try to build a bridge and, and, you know, I did I actually did a little research on what it takes to build a bridge and a bridge, of course, has to have communication on both sides. If not, it's going to be misaligned. And it's going to miss the mark on how it's built comes together in the middle. And actually, when they start to build the bridge, the first thing that happens is they uh, position the pylons that are going to support the bridge, whether it's over a body of water or you know, a cavernous area or whatever it is that's unsafe for travel below it, they have to build it up and higher and, and more secure. So you can see all of the architectural and engineering dynamics that go in that. There isn't much difference. And how you're going to build this rich? If the bo- if the mu- waters of your family experiences are so muddied and choppy, and you know that you know to get into that is going to be really toxic, and it's not going to be uh, productive, then that bridge needs to be really high. And a lot of times it can look like for future generations. So for those of you who have uh, nieces, nephews, children, grandchildren, something where you want to build a bridge to them to have some kind of presence in their lives, then you know what your objective is. And as long as that other person is agreeing it, then the bridge can start to be built that you're going to come together for the good of children and that your relationship is going to be built around that in a way from the conversations that, you know, are really, really uh, charged emotionally. For both sides. And believe me, I am not saying at all that you should compromise your values. And I also understand that sometimes being in the presence of people who are completely on the opposite end of of the spectrum as you can also be very draining. I understand how hard this work is, but that goes back to the soul work. So that's the reason why it's important that before we begin up any of this, we understand the first and foremost thing that we need to work with is understanding your why, W-H-Y, why are you doing this? Now, if you've been like me, you know that the self-help books are just bursting at the seams at store shelves and on Amazon and all this thing. So you can find all these things about Why are you here? Why do you show up in the world? Why do you do what you do? How can we help get you to a new level of peace and clarity and calm in your life and purpose in your life? This isn't much different, and I very much encourage you to figure out what it is that's beckoning you to restore or reach out to these for these relationships. Because sometimes what you find that it's actually a broken part of you that. Sees that that realizes that that relationship was built on something that was control, that was fear, that was guilt, that was shame, that was obedience. That was silence, that was allegiance to a family tradition or value, which let's face it, that sometimes family traditions can be some of the most toxic experiences if they are only done out of obligation and not necessarily enrichment or fulfillment uh, for the entirety of the family. So you want to understand your why, because sometimes if that stuff's missing, Even though those things are not healthy for us, we feel that gap in us and we do not feel normal. That's why some people who have experienced high amounts of trauma actually seek traumatic relationships because that feels normal. They understand fear and anxiety and doubt and unknown because that's what they have perpetually been in. Are you in a perpetual cycle Of someone controlling you and you're missing it. That's a big question. And sometimes that might require you to seek counseling, spiritual care, or something to help you navigate that question. If you feel like that's a block, I would absolutely encourage you to do that. Also be looking on numasoul.com. We will be offering online spiritual care very soon. So be looking for that. If you're having trouble, we hear often from people that you're finding, having trouble finding qualified people in your area. So be looking for that very soon, but this does require time. Now, if you feel like you can sit in spiritual practice and ask yourself, why, why am I wanting, why am I desiring this from my family? So we want to make sure that this is something that is going to serve your highest good. And you want to get to the point that you're asking those questions in those ways. The next thing you want to know, you want to be able to ask or answer is what is your desired outcome? What is your desired outcome? Now, friends, I'm going to pause here for a minute because I understand this is hard work. You might be romanticizing. I just want to be able to go back to my, for the Sunday dinner with my family. But something has prevented you from, from making that happen. And a lot of times, unless we know what our desired outcome is, then we are going to go right back into habitual patterns that aren't serving our highest good. So I would encourage you to make sure that you understand what is the desired outcome. Like we were talking earlier, um, I want to be with my nieces, my nephews. I want to be with the younger generations. I just miss spending time with my grandmother. And since I haven't been able to go to these uh, family gatherings, my uncle is keeping me, is preventing me from seeing my grandmother or whatever that feels like. What is it that you are wanting So start with the end in mind. That's very much a, a Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But the reason a lot of times the reasons that these kinds of attempts to have these conversations with family members fail is because we don't do this hard work. And I have said time and time again that if your spirituality, if your spiritual practice, your journey is not hard, you're doing it wrong. I believe that sometimes religion, here I go on a soapbox, but I believe sometimes religion disguises spirituality and pretends that you get busy with the busy work of the church activity that perpetuates this building instead of really doing the work of the soul. And this is hard work, personal relationships and personal self-awareness and growth. That is the, should be the ultimate objective of spirituality. That's the reason why it's important that as we develop these tools, they really are about how we show up in the world. They are about how we are working our spiritual practice, not just sitting in meditation, being all kumbaya and thinking that we are helping the world with just that. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not um, minimizing the impact of meditation. That is a tool that I use quite often, but that isn't going to help us if we aren't working on how, if it's if it's not helping us how we show up in the world, then your meditation isn't working. You're, it's broken. You are deflecting from some of the things that you need to be addressing to heal what's broken inside you so you can turn back to the world in your highest level of self. Now, if that sounds new agey, so be it. Because again, I think sometimes religion can make that very distracting so that you equate showing up on Saturdays to do the yard work in the church as your spiritual practice. Yeah. It it can be wonderful. It can be a great place of community. It's a great place to work your hands, but the work is the individual work that we do with the divine, with the Holy, with ourselves, with our soul work. So you need to understand that desired outcome. Now, before going into these conversations as well, you also want to know What are your boundaries and what are your non-negotiables? So that's one of the biggest challenges facing good, healthy, solid relationships is we, we we don't have a very good ability to establish healthy boundaries. And I'm raising my hand as I say this, because sometimes I get caught in that where we start down a path in a relationship before we realize, okay, this has gotten too far out of, I've compromised too much of who I am to be in this relationship. And we've had the signals, we've had the red flags all along that it's happening, but we want to believe that something else is happening. So we wanna make sure that we already have these experiences with family members. We already know that they're emotionally charged. More than likely, you're already minimizing contact with them. So how are you going to establish healthy boundaries going forward? People will often become silent just to avoid conflict or upsetting a family member who demands complete allegiance to their beliefs and values. Are you willing to go back into that relationship again? If you just reach out to family without establishing those boundaries, they can't, they could very well assume, Oh, they're coming back in to establish the norm of what your relationship looked like before. So how are you going to establish those boundaries? Your non-negotiables and you're not going to allow those to be crossed unless you're able to step to figure out what they are for yourself and then how they're going to be communicated. Then you risk falling back into old patterns, which may jeopardize any attempt at a healthy reconciliation because it's not going to serve your highest good. So here are some things that you might consider, you know, when you're thinking about your healthy boundaries, you know, that there have been maybe perhaps hurt, hurtful words or phrases that have been directed at you or people that you consider um, allies that you, that you are allies for that you're working for social justice and equity and you don't want those uh, pejorative terms to be used in your presence so that might be a boundary um, you don't want anger that a lot, that erupts uh, erupts in loud disruptive tones and threats of physical abuse, because you, again, you might have someone who's just used to being in that type of relationship. So past situations also might be a boundary. So things that you have done that maybe you're not proud of, mistakes that you have made, sometimes family members or loved ones will use those against you. So you're trying to move up, you're trying to bring your relationship up to a higher place where you can love and respect one another and, exi- and coexist in some kind of healthy relationship, but yet they want to bring you down and control you by some of your past mistakes. Maybe that's a boundary that you need to consider before you go into this conversation. Now, also be prepared to ask your family if they have boundaries. So, you know, we need to be respectful of those. If you're, if you're going to try to be in a situation where you've created this bridge and you've established what the highest good is, let's say in in this example, it's for aging um, family members or younger children, or someone is sick and everybody needs to come together. Then what are, what are everyone's boundaries? What thing, what conversations cannot happen what is what's emotionally physically and spiritually charged for people that that so both both sides needs to be able to communicate those another thing that you may consider doing is reaching out to family members who are allies who who support you and love you that maybe be a little bit more uh, leaning towards your beliefs and your values maybe asking them have have a conversation with them ahead of time and see if they're willing to be a part of this healing process of building the bridge with you so this is a real good time to know your who so extending that not just beyond extending it beyond the person who may be your ally and understanding who exactly is it, it who is it that you are wanting to establish a relationship? Because sometimes we can just say, I miss family, but do we really? I mean, I'm going to be honest, there's going to be uh, in my life, I have a load of extended family. I have cousins and uh, second and third cousins that I haven't seen for years. And I'm not at this point in my life. Yes, I love them and they're a part of who I am. But as far as trying to build a bridge where there's been no history for, you know, since I was 10. So we're looking at 50 years. um, I'm not necessarily going to spend time trying to figure out how I'm going to be a bridge, bridge to them. That might just look like a Christmas card, a holiday card, something like that, or an email, or just, you know, a quick direct message or something at one time or another, just to say hi. But it's, you might consider taking a list of your very much your your inner circle of your family and your loved ones, the outer circle of those and list the area of importance of who they are and where do you think they fall on the spectrum? Are they very much radicalized away from your beliefs? And if so, that's going to require a little bit more work as far as what the approach is going to be versus someone who's more moderate, who is, is maybe just a little bit more quiet about their beliefs because they do it to keep the peace. But yet if someone was a leader in their family that would allow people to to have to, to rally behind building a higher bridge, they're absolutely going to do it. They just lack the skills and maybe a little bit of the courage to do that. And they're looking for you to do that. So one word of caution when you're t- when you're thinking about your who, who are your allies and then who is it in your inner in your inner circles of influences that you want to talk to, consider how you want to have these conversations. One big conversation with a room full of family is probably not a good idea. Now that could be wrong that could be that's not that's not nothing I'm seeing is about, a big blanket of how to to and not to do. Nothing is like that. Everything is individual and personal, and you know your family situation better than anybody else. But what we have seen in the past is that so many different personalities and dynamics, it just could be a recipe for disaster. So uh, particularly if that one uncle or aunt or cousin is just very vocal and incredibly vitriolic, vitriolic and is used to having their way all the time and being the dominant voice, you're very much going to have trouble no matter what your desired outcome is, no matter what your why is, no matter who it is you're trying to talk to, you're going to have trouble with trying to get your desired outcome to even come close if that person is not on board. So think about how you might break out these conversations so that you can have a higher success rate that people will end up on building this bridge with you. That leads to determining where. So where are you going to have these conversations for so many of us? And I know this, that for me, my grandmother had the absolute best kitchen table in the world. And you want to know why, though? I don't think we ever saw the top of it. She was the most creative person. And because she had limited funds and never had a spare bedroom, she would do her floral arrangements on the kitchen table. Now I say the spare bedroom, she did have a spare bedroom. That's where all the flowers live. So you would always have to move the flowers off the, off the bed just to be able to sleep. But the house was always bursting with color and just clutter. And I loved it. So when I, have, when I think of memories of gatherings, I think about those tables and everybody bickering when you get together because you'd have to clean off all her stuff and they would complain and she would look at me and she'd go, oh, they'll just pipe down in a little bit. And she didn't care. She knew it, it would go right back to that again. And you know, so it, when I would think about family gatherings, I would think about, I would romanticize that kitchen table because I miss it so much. But when we're talking about emotionally charged Conversations. It's not necessarily the best idea to go back into territorial or familial familiar ground, because that is a reminder. People go back into their comfortable personas. Every one of us has has those. We have how we show up in our family, in our friends. You, everybody has things that they do. Just want to get back into those roles. And there's always one who had, there's always one person who is the powerful dynamic and there's all kinds of places where the, the muscle muscles remember, your your smell remembers the place, and it's very easy for you to fall back into old habits as everybody else would. So consider a new, neutral place such as an outdoor restaurant, a park, or something, someplace like that. You just want to be very, very careful. And it also might mean that before you ever get to a physical place, You start having conversations through email or direct messaging or phone calls or something that just says something like, look, I, uh, I know that we have a lot of things that we disagree with, but your family, and I love you. And I want to make sure that we are coming back together for the highest good of our, of ourselves, for, for the good of our family. Is there a way that we can start to build a bridge together? Is there anything that we can do to help one another? But that's going to lead me to my final point. Um, And this one's kind of hard to say, but we have to be truthful with ourselves. And that is know when to walk away. Friends, know when to walk away. And underneath this, I have, if you're looking for permission, this is it. So we start this whole thing with all kinds of caution to tell you that it's very important that you spend time with yourself, understand yourself. Or is there work that you need to do before you start trying to establish relationships that may take you back into habits that no longer serve your highest good, into relationships that actually suffocate your authenticity and your beliefs? So, but what can happen here, no matter how much you prepare, no matter what your why is, what your desired outcome is, how much work you do to prepare the who? And where you're going to do it. This could fail. The odds are actually greater that it will fail. But it's important to know this going in because otherwise you risk compromising your truth to return to comfortable yet unhealthy relationships. So knowing when to walk away is just as important as attempting to build a bridge. But I want you to think of something. It doesn't mean you failed, it means the attempt failed. Understanding this will help you stay focused on what the future looks like now that your desired outcome did not come to fruition. Failure also now doesn't mean that understanding or reconciliation is not possible in the future. Maybe something can happen in the future, but removing yourself from the situation to reflect on what happened or what may have gone wrong, will help you consider how you might change your approach in the future. As much as you may be feeling a sense of urgency or responsibility to quickly resolve that conflict and try again, remember there is no timeline. Also remember that if normal, returning to normal or establishing relationships demands your silence, then beloved, what is the cost of that silence? If you're risking your integrity, your values, your beliefs, or your soul, what is the cost? Consider the answer to this uh, question as you begin to rebuild those bridges. Now, something else I want to leave you with is a quote that I found um, as I was doing the research for today's podcast. It's by Jaya John. And I quote, your boundary Need not be an angry electric fence that shocks those who touch it. It can be a consistent light around you that announces, I will be treated sacredly. End quote. Mm. I will be treated sacredly. Beloved, that is your model, your mantra for today. I will be treated sacredly. Now, don't worry right now if your boundaries are electric fences. A lot of us are there. Sometimes when we come out of unhealthy relationships, the people that we leave on that other side of the destroyed bridge cannot believe that you are serious. And their norm, you just took away a big chunk of something that they controlled or they had influence over. And sometimes their reaction can be very toxic and sometimes dangerous. So in order for us to be at a place where we can start working on our healing, we must have strong boundaries that may have electric fences, which means no contact. That means we move physically away from that place till we start to do that inner work where we understand that we show up in this world. And we believe that we have the right to be treated sacredly because we are treating ourselves that way. We are treating ourselves sacredly. The last thing I want to remind you of is that your healing cannot be contingent upon your family's healing or the restoration of these relationships. If you're considering your you have done something that's that you are broken in some way or that you are flawed in some way because these relationships have fallen away. That is going to hinder your own healing. Yes, of course, you can continue to do this. This might be a lifelong process where you're continually looking and assessing the, the relationships in your life and how they're going to, you're going to interact and what bridges need to be repaired and do they need to be built a little higher? Those really require work as we should be doing with all our relationships, unless we risk moving down into Unhealthy habitual patterns that no longer serve our highest good, that move us away from the things that we believe and the things that we value. We often do that when, like I said earlier, we've had all the warning signs that that's exactly what happened. So sometimes if we feel that we've made this effort to reestablish connection with our family and it failed, we consider ourselves a failure. So we consider ourselves broken. But a lot of times the reality is our family is refusing to heal. They don't care to look at anything else other than you are hundred percent wrong. You are the one who destroyed the family relationships. You are the one who stepped into your gender or sexual authenticity and, and crushed the family who thought you should be something else. You are the one who are living your truth. And how dare you? And you can't be responsible for changing them. And if that means that you're loving them from afar, then so be it. If that means that you continue to walk into your life, into your truth, into your spiritual and physical authenticity, and we learn to love them from afar. And that can be through prayer and meditation, letters that we may never send. We'll spend time on that at another time. But for now, you can see that a lot of times the reason why these tough conversations fail is because both sides do not do the work that's necessary to ensure success. Both sides need to do the work to ensure success. Okay, beloved, that's all for today. This Series. Keep looking for this at numasoul.com. It's called Having Tough Conversations. It will be online very soon for you to see the entire series. This first one will be available this week, May 23rd. So be looking for it at numasoul.com. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you. And I'm sorry about some of the distractions today from, I think I hit the mic once to I forgot to turn off my phone to my grand who's now snoring very comfortably. And now she's going to be annoyed that the podcast is done and she has to move. But I pray you received something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q and A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.